Uh, so we're going to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20 today. Uh, it's the armour of God, which is always a good passage. I'll just give you a few moments to flick there. Let's read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may de declare it fearlessly as I should. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Thank you, Kezia. That was always um, going to be a, uh, whoops, I'll just get rid of this. Always going to be a bit of a challenge to interview Kezia and then ask her to read God's Word. But uh, well done. You, you, you hung in there. It's uh, great to be here for Vision Sunday. How good is this? Uh, to have our three congregations from across our parish uh, together for this very special morning. It's the first time we've done this since 2019. Uh, so yeah, that's, what's that, four years. Um, Special shout out to Mark and Kerry too, who would love to be here this morning, but um, can't, for those who don't, Mark has a motor neuron disease, uh, but would love to be here with us this morning. Uh, but they are watching uh, through our live stream, which Dan has um, set up, so uh, thank you, it's good to, uh, to see you guys. Well, we can't see, I can't see you, but you can see us, so that's uh, good. They, they did text me to say it's lovely to see people sort of walking in, so uh, it's great to have you guys connecting with us. Well, our... Uh, the tagline of our vision series is committed to pray, committed to serve, committed to give, committed to grace. And I guess central to that, uh, that idea is, is the idea of commitment. What is commitment? Maybe just take a moment, talk to the person next to you about uh, what you think commitment is. And secondly, uh, how do you feel about the word commitment? Just take a minute to chat to the person next to you. What, what is commitment and how do you feel about it? All right, maybe that's, uh, that's long enough to get, you, get us kind of thinking about this, this idea of uh, commitment. It's always dangerous getting people to talk to each other because they, you know, come on, come back, come back. 
thinking about what, what is this idea of commitment and, and how do you feel about it. It would be interesting to, to kind of get uh, people's sense of that. Is, it, is this a positive thing or a negative thing? We, maybe it's kind of a mix of both. We, we know that, that commitment is good, right? You know, we, we know that it's a good thing. We make all sorts of commitments. But then we also can at times avoid commitments and, and you know, we go for the, the phone plan or the electricity plan that has no lock-in contracts and, uh, or we, we avoid saying yes, we'd rather say sort of maybe and just in case something, you know, better comes up or circumstances change, you know, we make stabo commitments, S-T-A-B-O, you know, subject to a better offer, yeah, I'll come to your party unless a better offer comes up or, so we're not always big on, on the idea of commitment. But then at the same time, we know that commitment's really important. And I mean, things like in marriage, in family life, in, in friendships, in, at work, in, in church life, we, we make and we, we keep and, and at times break all sorts of commitments. How does commitment work? I mean, do we, do we make a commitment once and then that's it? It's kind of locked in, nothing else required. Kind of makes me think of the, the husband whose wife of 30 years asks him if, if uh, he loves her and, and he says, well, yeah, of course I, I do. I told you that when we got married and I haven't told you otherwise since, so uh, of course I, yeah. <laughs> Commitment doesn't really work that way, does it? You know, there's, there is follow-up action required to, to keep the commitment, to remain committed. I mean, even with something as boring as a phone contract, there is follow-up action that's required. You have to actually pay the bill uh, each month. Commitment continues with follow-up action. What about our commitment to being a Christian, to being followers of Jesus? Do we just make an initial commitment and then we're all sorted, job's done, nothing more to do? Well, in one sense, that's technically true. Uh, when we receive the, the gift of salvation through Jesus' death and resurrection, we, we make that commitment and that is a decisive moment where we are by God's grace raised up with Christ, raised from being dead in sin to being alive with Christ, forgiven and at peace with God. The job's done, nothing more to do in one sense and yet we're not fully there yet. We're, we're waiting for that final reveal, the, the coming ages when the incomparable riches of God's grace expressed in ki His kindness to us in Christ Jesus, where that will be shown. We're not there yet. So what place does commitment have while we wait? What does that look like? How do we make sure that we stay committed to Christ, that we, that we keep going, that we make it to the end, that we avoid becoming someone who once seemed to follow Jesus but doesn't any, any longer. Well, here's the secret to have a, uh, an annual commitment series to, to G us up to keep going. Well, in one sense, that's a, that's a good thing. Actually, regular reminders are, are helpful, good things. I mean, we, we share together in the Lord's Supper regularly to, re, to remind us of God's extraordinary grace to us, to encourage us to, to keep going. So it's a good thing to do what we're doing today. It's helpful. But no, having a, an organized campaign with, with uh, pretty brochures and a big get-together and amazing morning tea uh, with Chris Head's amazing scones, that, that is good and that is great. And look, it, as I said, it's been four years since we did this and, and this is a really great thing. I think it's something we've, we've actually missed, getting together like this. Uh, but an annual commitment series is not some secret key to keep us staying committed to Christ and making it to the end. So how do we keep going? Well, in one sense, there could be many things that we could say at this point. 
Uh, I'm sure there's not just one key thing, but I do think that this passage before us in Ephesians 6 speaks really helpfully into this for us, and it, and it shows us how to continue on that path of commitment to Christ. It calls us and urges us to do that, and I'm keen for us to, to dig into this part of this wonderful part of God's Word. But in order for us to do that and to understand this passage rightly, we first need to ask, why are these verses here? Now, this, this talk of a spiritual battle and the armor of God, it, 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 as you're reading through Ephesians, it can feel like a bit of a kind of change of gears where you get to this point and we think, why, why is this here? Is it some kind of appendix that Paul sort of tacked onto the end of his letter? Maybe as a, as a gift to a future generations of uh, children's ministry people to sort of give them excellent material for inspiring kids' talks and crafts and dress-ups and, you know, with all the different cool armor and things. And is this really a kind of helpful appendix that could be titled bonus kids ministry material you know maybe a, the translators are, should have added that in as a section header bonus uh, appendix bonus kids ministry material of course we know that's not the case but I think there's a danger that we can actually kind of act as if that is the case and regard the, this uh, this passage is not really that relevant with its strange talk of armor and breastplates and helmets and swords and spear, uh, shields now, of course, that's not the case. This, this passage connects with and flows from the rest of the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, and what it does is it provides the, the final take-home, the conclusion, the, the call to action, the call to arms. And as such, I think this is a great part of God's Word to be dwelling on this morning, on this conclusion to our vision series. As we look to the future, as we look to their plans before us and, and consider how we're going to, to give ourselves to to remain committed to following Jesus as we undertake that. The passage begins with a command. And this is the, the overarching command, the call of the passage. And it's to be strong. A whole image of a soldier equipped with armor, engaged in, in battle. Is, it's an image of strength. The call is to be strong. But notice there the, the source of this strength. It doesn't say, be strong in yourself and in your own self-determination. It says, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. What does that mean? What does that, what does that look like? How do, how do we do that? If we're strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, we'll, well, does that mean we'll be some sort of power Christian who's, who's just cruising through life and winning at every turn and knocking over obstacles with ease. Is that what it is to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power? What does it mean? Well, this is where it's uh, helpful to see how this passage, how it connects with what comes before it in uh, Ephesians. So back in, in chapter 1, I'll come up on the screen there, but Paul talks about, about God's mighty power. This same word back in chapter 1, verse 19, his prayer for the Ephesians is that they would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength, same word. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So the power here that, that Paul wants us to, to know, chapter 1, and to be strong in, in chapter 6, it, it's God's mighty strength, the, the power of His might. That same power He exerted in raising Jesus Christ from the dead and exalting Him above all. That is power. Incomparably great 
power. And Paul says, I pray that you would know this power for you who believe. Notice it's not just an external thing. It's not just knowing about this power. It's not just knowing that God is powerful. It's that he raised Jesus from the dead. He exalted him above all. It's knowing that, yes, that's true. But that power is also at work, notice, for us who believe. Because that same power has raised us from being dead in transgressions and sins to being made alive with Christ, as chapter 2, verse 5 says, and 2, 6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So the power of God's might is for us, saving us, transforming us. Paul says, be strong in that power. It can be hard to kind of grasp um, the, that sort of power. I guess there's a reason that Paul describes it as incomparably great power. But in a perhaps vain attempt to, to, uh, to grasp it in some poor way, work with me here, uh, it, it makes me think of the Superman ride at Movie World. Um, show of hands, who's been on the Superman ride at Movie World? Uh, a, a lot of us have. Um, work with me here. The, the story of the ride um, is we're on a train, I think it's something like this, we're on a train and uh, it's about to crash, but Superman comes to the rescue and he saves us, propels the train forward to safety. And as you sit passively in your seat, clinging on for dear life, the power of the acceleration is incredible. It's incomparable. The mighty power at work for us is incredible. Now, God's display of power is not to save us from a make-believe train crash. It's to raise us from spiritual death to life. Life with Christ seated in the heavenly realms. So the call is to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. It, it, that is, it's, it's to live in, to be, to be grounded in that powerful salvation that He has won by His grace. It's to be strengthened by that, to be strong in the Lord. How do we do that? Back to chapter 6, verse 11, it tells us, put on the full armor of God. So the way to be, to be strong in the Lord and His mighty power is to put on the armor that He provides. Uh, why do we need armor? Well, it's, it's the rest of verse 11, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We're under threat. We're, we're engaged in a battle. The devil is scheming against us and we, we need to be equipped to take our stand against him. We're engaged in a, a struggle, as verse 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We face uh, all sorts of struggles in life, um, struggles with health, with sickness, with disappointment, with grief, anxiety, sin, opposition, persecution. But the greatest struggle that we face that's ongoing is a struggle against the evil one in the heavenly realms. You might think, well, how, how does that work? I mean, isn't the devil already defeated? How are we to think about this? Well, I think the key thing is to notice where the struggle is happening. It's that phrase, in the heavenly realms. And uh, the letter to the Ephesians actually has a lot to say about the heavenly realms, as we've, we've already started to see. So right back in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 3, we're told that those who belong to Christ have been blessed 
in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So we've been chosen, we've been loved, predestined, adopted, lavished with grace, redeemed, forgiven, included, sealed with the Holy Spirit, blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What's going on in the heavenly realms? Those in Christ are profoundly blessed by Christ. Christ who, as we've seen, has been raised by God's mighty power from the dead and seated at his right hand in the heavenly realms. 1 verse 20. And notice verse 21. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. What's happening in the heavenly realms? Christ is seated, victorious at God's right hand. Far above all, all power, all authorities, all dominions, all rulers. But he's not the only one seated in the heavenly realms. As we've seen, 2 verse 6, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We've gone from being dead following, notice 2 verse 2, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, gone from following the devil to being saved and seated with Christ far above all such rulers. So the battle has already been won. The victory is being declared in the heavenly realms as 3 verse 10 says, His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's happening in the heavenly realms, if I can paraphrase? God is saying to the spiritual rulers and authorities, look at the church. Look at the united people of God, Jew and Gentile together. Look at the wisdom of God on display. So the battle has been won. Christ has been exalted. We have been raised. We have been blessed. And yet the final day of vindication has not yet come. These rulers, these powers have not yet been finally destroyed. The the ruler of the kingdom of the air is still leading people in rebellion against God. And so we're still engaged in this struggle and in one sense, the, the second half of, uh, of Ephesians is talking about that struggle. So, for example, in, in 4 verse 22, it says, uh, to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The, the call is to, to fight, to struggle, not, not to live the old way, following the evil one, but to put on the new way. Likewise, 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Notice, do not give the devil a foothold. The devil, who's already been defeated by Christ, is still trying to get a foothold, trying to lead us back into following him and his ways in disobedience to God. Chapter 5 then calls us to live not in the darkness like we used to, but to, 5 verse 8, live as children of light. To live, verse 15, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Notice, because the days are evil. So we're engaged in a battle. We're engaged in a struggle. Our enemy has already been defeated, but he hasn't yet been finally destroyed. That day is coming. But until that day, he is still seeking to lead astray whoever he can. Uh, It says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it says, uh, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
He's our enemy. But He doesn't have control over us. We can, by God's mighty power at work in us and for us, we can resist Him, standing firm in the faith, knowing that when we do, as James 4 verse 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I think there are twin dangers here for us. Uh, On the one hand, the danger is that we we don't recognize and take hold of the mighty victory that is ours in Christ. And we we can sort of focus on the the devil and the threat that he poses to us, the danger that he is, and and the problem is that we can actually play into his hand and, and give him more power than he actually has. The opposite danger is that we fail to to see that there is a struggle, that we have an enemy, and so we fail to be ready. We, we fail to, to take a stand and, and, and become easy fodder for the enemy. So how do we make sure that we stay committed to Christ and we make it to the end? We recognize both the struggle, the reality of the struggle, and the reality of the victory that Christ has. And so verse 13, we must therefore put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. In this struggle, we we need the full armour of God so that we can stand. Notice this is is talking about a defensive stance. We don't need to attack and and take the ground. Christ has already won. The ground has been won. Our job is to stand our ground, to stand firm, to stand in the victory that Christ has already won. And praise God, He powerfully equips us for that task. I mean, look at the armour that He gives us, the the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the the truth that is in Jesus, the one who is the truth, He protects us against the lies of the devil, the, the father of lies. The breastplate of righteousness in place, righteousness that's given to us by Jesus, righteousness we're to to put on and to grow in, Uh, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, this this gospel message that that spreads and and brings peace, peace with God and peace with one another, the shield of faith, the trust in Jesus such that the, the flaming arrows of the evil one, the accusations that come against us come to nothing. The helmet of salvation, salvation, the the gift of God's grace. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here's the one weapon, the Spirit-enabled Word of God, which destroys the lies and accusations of the evil one, that wins people from death to life. So God powerfully equips us as His people for the task of standing firm, of being strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. So what's our part? Well, it's it's to receive that equipping, that empowering, and to continue to do so. It's to let ourselves be strengthened, to be clothed with God's armour, to take up the armour He gives us, to stand firm in His strength with his armor and a vital part a vital part of all of this is to pray prayer is well prayer is a response of of faith of dependence and and so vital to this defensive stance equipped and empowered by god's armor are our simple prayers 
Verse 18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Notice how the, the all-encompassing nature of this. It's all occasions, all kinds of prayers, always all the Lord's people. We're to pray in the Spirit, which I take it this means pray in keeping with God's will. There's no point praying for things that are against God's will. Pray on all occasions. Be alert, be watchful. And pray for that, that continual ground-taking work of God through His Word, the sword of the Spirit. Paul says, verse 19, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And similarly, we, we should pray for each other that words would be given us to fearlessly declare the gospel message to others so that by God's grace, others would be, would be raised from death to life also. So how do we remain committed to following Jesus and make it to the end? Well, today is about commitment, a, a commitment that we're invited to make, to, as our brochure says, to pray, to pray for our church that God would grow us as the body of Christ toward maturity in Him, to pray for our community that God would graciously bring people to salvation through Jesus. To pray for three specific people that God would give us opportunities to share the gospel with them. It's, it's a commitment to serve one another as the body of Christ. It's a commitment to give generously, willingly to, to support gospel ministry. But underlying this commitment and, and, and enabling and empowering it is, is our commitment to grace, to God's grace. To continue to, to take a stand, not on our own and in our own strength or in our own resolve, but to stand in His grace, remembering, rejoicing in the astounding blessings that are ours in Christ, the extraordinary, powerful armor that He gives us, truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, His Spirit, the Word of God, prayer. God gives us His powerful armor and we must commit ourselves and continue to commit ourselves to His grace, to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. As we struggle, and we do struggle, with all sorts of things in this fallen world, our greatest struggle is one for which God graciously equips us, such that we can give our all to live as His people. We can stand our ground as the saved people of God, as the precious body of Christ, the, the body which grows and builds itself up in love as we serve one another and as we keep on praying on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests for all the Lord's people. Let's pray now. Let's pray now and commit ourselves together to stand in His grace, to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank You and praise You for Your grace to us, for saving us from darkness, from sin and death, facing Your wrath, and raising us up to life, calling us into the light to be Your people. 
We praise you for Christ's victory over sin, over death, over the devil. That victory which is ours in him. Our Father, we ask that you would strengthen us, that you continue to to strengthen us by your power. Help us to continually take up the armour you provide, that we would stand firm to the end, that we would live to your praise and glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.